We're going to jump uh, back into our series titled The Teachings of, of Jesus. Uh, and, and more specifically tonight, Jesus is going to teach on the topic of judgment. Judgment. Uh, or put another way, how you, how we judge others, how we criticize and, and evaluate and uh, uh, assess other people. Uh, and as you all know, middle school and high school, I mean, it may be some of the most judgmental places on earth. It is rough in the middle school and high school years and how much judgment you all face. And so I'm, I'm excited to hear what Jesus has to say on this important topic. So let's go ahead and read our passage, pray and dig in. I'm going to go ahead and read it for us. So you get your papers out and follow along. Everybody got a paper in front of them? We're going to read the text together. Okay, Jesus says this. This is his words. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Let's go ahead and pray. <laughs> Father in heaven, uh, my God, my Savior, my Redeemer, uh, the King of glory who condescends to take on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ and die for our sin and rise again and to give us your word and to reveal yourself to us, the God of the heavens. Lord, I come to you now and I ask, please be with us tonight. Help us tonight. Open our ears, open our hearts. Help us uh, ascertain and apprehend spiritual truth. Even if it's for the first time, Lord, help us. We are cold-hearted, wicked uh, sinners who would want nothing to do with you apart from your spirit at work in our lives. And so, Father, come now. Holy Spirit, come, please. Uh, use me as a vessel, a broken and perfect vessel to talk about your son, Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Uh, so if we look at the first two words of verse one, the first two words uh, we will find what Jesus ultimately wants us to take away tonight, what he wants you to walk away from risen uh, and leave here and start to integrate in your daily lives found in the first two words of verse one. So look there with me. Jesus says what? Judge not. Uh, or, or other translations, you could say, do not judge. Do not judge. Now, many have uh, taken these two words, don't judge or judge not from Jesus, and, and they've twisted them. Uh, and they twisted them to insulate them from truth. Let me give you an example. Uh, I have a relative, I, I have a family member uh, who is living with and uh, planning to marry an unbeliever. And, and in God's word, it explicitly teaches that Christians, people who profess to love and obey and worship Jesus, must not engage in either premarital sexual activity nor marry an unbeliever. God's word is explicitly clear on that matter. And, and, and it's, it's just a, a quick aside, this is kind of a tangent, I don't have this written, but uh, why would God command his people to not marry an unbeliever and, and even more why would he tell you to not uh 
Zeke's got an answer. Zeke, what, why? Why would he command you not to marry an unbeliever? Uh, because God says that we should be equally yoked. Equally yoked. Why though? Uh, because it it will strengthen our faith. It strengthens our faith. It will make our walk with Him easier. Amen. I, I agree with Zeke, and I want to share another thing with you. Uh, so God commands husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and He gave himself up for her. So, so ladies, if you marry an unbeliever, they cannot fulfill the very role God has given to your husband, which is to love you as Christ loves you. And he can't do that because he has not experienced the love of Christ to motivate him. So ladies, if you marry an unbeliever or if you're dating an unbeliever, I want you to keep in mind that God commands your husband not only to love you as Christ loved the church, but also to, to, to lead you and your children to the Lord, to know the Lord, uh, to walk in the wisdom of God, to obey God. And an unbeliever can't do that either. Men, God calls wives to, to encourage and support and to come up underneath you and to encourage all your leadership toward God. But if your wife has no interest in God, doesn't love God, doesn't follow God, how is she going to encourage you in your walk with God to serve and lead your family in that way? So just as a quick aside, uh, I want you guys to take note that marrying an unbeliever, dating an unbeliever, God says no because he's a good father. And he wants what's best for you. Ladies, he wants a man who's going to be faithful and die to himself and resist the flesh and serve you all the days of his life. And same with women. God wants a wife who is going to encourage you to grab hold of the greatest treasure in the universe, him. So, so God commanding us to not marry an unbeliever is not to be mean or harsh. It's for your good. So that's just a quick aside. I just want to make a comment as I talk about my family member who I love. Who's, who's in a relationship, sleeping with, living with a man who's an unbeliever and planning to marry him and professes to be a Christian. And, and, um, and since my, my family member, she, she doesn't want to lose this romantic relationship. She, 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 uh, she doesn't want to lose him uh, when confronted with what God's word teaches on the matter. She has at one point pointed to this very passage and said, look, Jesus says, judge not. You're being judgmental. You don't love me. Don't say what I am doing is wrong because Jesus says don't judge. So my question then, is she right? Is she right? When Jesus says judge not, is he teaching you, is he teaching me to accept uh, and, and embrace and affirm every decision made by our friends, our family members and teammates, whether their choices disobey God or not, whether their choices are leading to a, a life of self-destruction or not. And, and I, I'm telling you, this is a question I want you guys to answer because our world has defined love as this unconditional affirmation, unconditional affirmation. Uh, the message is this, if you really love someone, if you really love them, you'll celebrate, you'll support, and you'll affirm whatever decision they make. <coughs> so in my situation, my relative believes that anyone who, who opposes her decision doesn't really love her. Why? Because he makes her happy. 
And she thinks us not supporting it is unloving. But is it true? Would Jesus say, Robert, the most loving thing you could do in this situation is support and encourage her to continue in this relationship. Even though she's walking in direct disobedience to God. No, he would not say that. So in this passage, when Jesus says, don't judge, don't judge your friends, don't judge your family, don't judge your classmates, don't judge. uh, He's not saying never call a lie a lie or, or never say this is right and this is wrong. That's not what he means here. In fact, just 10 verses later, just a little bit later, we'll get to this. Jesus will encourage us to make these types of judgments and evaluations. He will, he will encourage us to say, hey, this is right, and hey, this is wrong. Uh, in verses 15 to 16, later in the passage, Jesus says these words. He says, beware, so, so be alert, be on guard against what? False prophets, false teachers, false teaching. He said, these false prophets, they'll come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And he says this, you will recognize them. You will know them. You will see them. You will judge them by their fruits. That is how they speak, how they live, how they treat others. That's what will determine whether this person is a a true teacher of God's word. So, So Jesus is for us to, to uh, uh, assess and evaluate right from wrong. He's not calling us to unconditionally affirm the people in your life who are trapped in sin. That's not what he's calling us to do. Uh, but then what kind of judging does he not want us to do, right? He wants us to determine right from wrong. He wants us to stand up for the truth. But what kind of judging does he not want you to do? Well, uh, it tells us, uh, well, he gives us an illustration, really, by asking two questions in verses 3 and 4. All right, so he's going to ask some questions. He's going to clarify. What does he mean by judge not? So look there with me. Jesus says, verse 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or, Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's the log in your own eye? So uh, if you didn't think Jesus was funny, if you didn't think Jesus was kind of had a sense of humor, then you never really imagined this situation, right? Let me help you. You got a speck right there. It's right there. You got a speck. Yeah. Gotta grab it. Oh, my bad. You know what I mean? So, this is a recruit object lesson. It, it's, it, uh, uh, if you didn't think Jesus had a sense of humor, he does. Uh, Jesus uses this, it's, it's funny, it's like this absurd image of this person. He's got this giant log. It's like coming out of his, his eye, but yet he's entirely focused on getting that speck, that little piece in your eye out. And, and, and look what uh, Jesus calls this speck hunter in verse 5. Look what he says. This is what he says. You hypocrite. You hypocrite. And and from this illustration, we know that Jesus is using the word hypocrite uh, to describe someone who seeks to point out the shortcomings, the failures, the sin of other people, yet all the while they do the same things. They have a log in their eye. 
And for many other places in the New Testament, we know that this was a real problem uh, among the Jewish people, especially the religious leaders, especially the people who claimed to love God. Uh, they would often take great pride in, in how they kept God's law, right? How, how they didn't steal like the Gentiles, how, how they didn't commit adultery like the Gentiles, how they didn't worship false gods like the Gentiles, how they didn't eat unclean foods and so forth. And therefore, many of the people in this time Jesus was speaking to them, they boasted. They had pride and felt superior to others because of their good behavior. But throughout Jesus' ministry, he challenges them over and over again to reconsider if they are truly following God as wholeheartedly as they claim. And, and from Jesus' perspective, often they were not. They had logs in their eye while they were trying to take specks out of other people's eyes. So, so the question for us then is this. Are we disciples of Jesus, people who claim to follow the king of glory, who's supposed to have authority over every area of our lives? The question is then, are we looking down on others? Are we, are we, do we feel better than others? Do we feel better than other people? Do we harshly criticize other people for doing the same things that we, that's either in our heart, that we have similar desires, or that we do? Are we walking around with logs in our eye if we would just take a deeper look? If we would just take an honest examination of your life, would you see, would you notice that you had a log? And, uh, that's exactly what Jesus says in the latter half of verse 5. Look there with me again. Uh, Jesus says, you hypocrite. So he describes this person uh, there, and he says this. First, this is what you want to do first. Take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Again, note, though, Jesus never says, don't take the speck out of their eye. He never says that. He just says, first, examine your own life. First, admit to God, uh, yourself, others, that we fall short too, that, that we're not perfect, that we don't have it all together, uh, that we need the same grace. We need the same kindness, the same mercy of God as everybody else. We are no better. We just know it. That's the only thing that's different. We're honest about who we really are. We, we went in and did surgery and take that log out every day just so we could see clearly. In other words, Jesus, he, he doesn't want you to turn a blind eye to sin and evil in the world. He wants you to turn a clear eye. He wants you to have a clear eye to assess what's really there in yourself and others. That's what Jesus mean, means when he says, judge not. He, he's urging us away from a self-righteous, I'm better, I'm superior than others, as I look down on other people for the same things I do. Okay, so, so now we know what kind of judging, what, what kind of judging uh, uh, Jesus doesn't want us to do, but he also gives us one powerful reason. One powerful reason uh, to take this teaching seriously. Like, he really wants you to take uh, this teaching on judge not and hypocritical judgment dead serious. And those answer, uh, those reasons come in verses 1 and 2. So start back at the beginning of verse 1 with me. Look at there. Uh, Jesus says, judge not. Why? Why take it seriously? That you be not judged. For 
uh, another explanation. With the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So students, uh, there will come a day where you will die. I, I'm reading a biography right now. Um, and this, it's about a person who was living during the 1700s. And uh, basically it was the colonial period. And it was like all the people who just came over. And, and, and one of the things... Uh, that they trained their kids to believe growing up that the most certain event in reality in their life was what? That they were going to die. From an early age, these New Englanders and Puritans raised their ki kids to know you are going to die one day. And so they, and have you ever heard that prayer, lay us down to sleep, my soul to keep? That was from then. They prayed that prayer every night because they knew you could die the next day. Life was short, and there was danger, and there was diseases, and they didn't have antibiotics and all that we have. Um, so, students, there's going to come a day. You're going to die, and, you know, uh, you might not believe in this big, giant, glorious being yet, but you will stand before him one day, and you're going to be judged. He's going to call you to account. He's going to reconcile what you have done in this life. And according to Jesus, the way we judge others, the way we criticize, the way we look down, the way we uh, think and assess about others is an indication. It, it corresponds to how God is going to judge you. So, and, and it's not that we, we can somehow, you know, we're going to earn God's favor and gracious judgment uh, by being a kind and merciful toward others. No, uh, you know, we're going to stand before God and we're only going to be forgiven. We're only going to be declared righteous by faith in Jesus. That is the only way you will be, you will enter the kingdom of heaven. The only way, wearing the righteousness of Jesus through faith. So it's not that we earn it, but Jesus' point is this, that if we harshly judge and if we refuse to give grace to others, if we're so severe in our judgment of others, if we never give them grace, may that just show that we've never truly experienced the grace of God given to us. We've never truly grasped that how, although God has every right to condemn and judge each and every one of us. He has every right to, to punish us and to severely cast us out. He sends his son to die for you. And not only to die for you and then forgive you, but to adopt you into his family, the king of glory, and give you eternal life. Although you deserve none of it. And I'm telling you, when you Taste that grace. Like when you really understand how sinful you are and how good God is to save you and give you eternal life, it will bring you to tears. I had a great experience one day outside in that hall with a student here, uh, a student comes to risen. And I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, he was, <laughs> it was out of left field. He's like, why me? Hey, tears. Why me, though? Why me? And I just like hug him. Like, you, you know Jesus too? Give me a hug. You know him too? Dang. Because I'm telling you, that's what grace does. When you kind of grasp all that God has done for you in Jesus Christ, you unworthy, uh, undeserving person, it changes you forever. 
especially how you treat other people, especially how you judge others, because you know what you deserve and what God has given you instead. Grace, grace, grace. Let's pray. Father, uh, we don't want to be harsh with others. We don't want to have hearts that are graceless. But sometimes we just want justice. Sometimes we just want vengeance. Sometimes we just want things to be set right. And so I pray, Father, for our hearts now to stop looking down on others, to stop judging others, to stop uh, uh, casting people aside, but to, to share with them the same love, the same grace that you have given to us in your son Jesus. And I pray, Father, for those who have not tasted, who have not delighted in, who have not savored and experienced how amazing you are and how gracious and kind and merciful and how your steadfast love endures forever toward them. If they have not tasted, Father, by your spirit now, I pray you can do a great work. And I pray they would share that great work that, they did, that was done in their heart, if you so choose to do so, with us, the leaders, that we would know that they have now experienced your grace. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.